It's time to move on from Dennis Grossell. On today's show, I'm going to lay out the case why it's not the time to keep him as starting quarterback, and I will give you who I think Boston College should go with for the remaining games of the season. All of that and more on today's Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here. Thank you all for listening. If you have just started listening to our show, this is a daily BC podcast that we do five days a week. On today's show, we're going to talk about the quarterback position. It's it's always the hot button topic. We're going to talk about Dennis Grissel and his struggles, and we're going to get into what I think Jeff Halfley should do, and maybe give you a little bit of what I think will actually happen this week. So, you know, we talked a little bit on yesterday's show about Dennis Grossell's struggle. He's become a turnover machine. You know, he has six touchdowns to seven interceptions. He has four fumbles in the last three games. It's been a rough going, and this is not to beat up on Grossell. As we said earlier this season, you know, the the coaching staff and the players hold Grossell up to a very high standard. They see him as a leader. He's a locker room presence. The, the players all respect him. So I don't want this segment to become a bash him because he's only, a, you know, he's a college kid. It's not fair for me to just sit here and rip him to shreds. However... You're seeing what you're seeing on the field, right? And there's certainly pieces that aren't out of his control, right? Like sometimes when he gets hit, it's because there's issues with the offensive line. And that certainly is a problem in itself and something they're going to have to need to address. But there's bigger issues with Grossell that I don't think can be fixed. And those, you know, fans have been chirping, uh, saying it to me over and over again, and I totally agree with them now. And I've seen it for the last couple of weeks is his inability to hit the long ball is a is a major issue with this offense. And here is why. There's two big things. First of all, Frank Signetti's offenses really um they have a special em- emphasis on taking the top off of an off a defense. What does that mean? It means that you need to make sure for this offense to work that defenses um take it into uh, account your ability to throw the long ball. He did it at all he did it with Eli Manning, he did it with Aaron Rodgers, he did it with Phil Jakovic. He can't do it with Phil Draco- I mean, with Dennis Grossell. You've seen it over and over again. All those times where Zay Flowers is flying down the sideline and there's no one near him, and Grossell misses him by five yards. You know, misses him by three yards. He throws it out of bounds. It's it's a problem. And that problem, you know, what it leads to is now defense defenders. They don't need to respect the long game. They don't need to respect the long ball. They can really kind of just play up a little bit, right? So BC's offense under Jakovic, under Grossell, has a a key tenet to it, and that's the play action, right? It sets up the long pass. It sets up the run. It sets up the, the short and intermediate things. Well, you take the long ball out, right? Now that defense, defenses don't need to send guys out to make sure that Zay's you know, double bracketed, they don't need to do that anymore. What can they do? So Jerkovic goes back, or Grossell goes back to pass. He goes to play action. Now, all of a sudden, you see play action, you cut in. You, you move in because you know he can't throw it further than 10, 12 yards down the field accurately. 
you don't need to really worry about. It. You just send the single coverage cornerback out there. Don't worry about anything else. You can send the safeties in to help on the inside stuff. You can you can cheat all over the place to make a defense look good. You know, I saw Louisville writers uh, glowing about the Cardinals' defense, and I, I mean, hey, you do what you want, but I'm telling you, their defensive job was not that hard when half of the field is taken away, and you know, major parts of this game plan are gone. It's not like they're great now. It's they 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 got an easy assignment. And I don't know if Grossell can fix this. I, You know, Halfley in his press conference on Sunday said, you know, he needs to see the film. He needs to see uh, what they need to do to make points. And I just don't think I can see Grossell changing. It's not like all of a sudden if he goes out to, to fish, state, uh, fish field and throws a bunch, is he going to be able to hit the long ball more to Zay Flowers? I don't think so. I think he's kind of run his course, and I think it's time for a change. And this, again, I'm not here to beat up on Grossell. I just see what I see. And you guys have seen it, too. You know, a, a kid that has been good as a backup, he's had his moments, he deserved the time that he had to start. I mean, some people are saying he shouldn't have started at all. I disagree with you. I think he earned the right to start when Jakovic went down. However, I think that time is done. I think I'm worried that if he's out there and he's not hitting receivers anymore, you're going to see guys like Zay Flowers or C.J. Lewis or, or, or Jalen Gill just start to get frustrated because they're doing what they need to do and the ball's just not getting to them. And so that's why I think a change needs to happen, and I'm not sure if that's going to happen. In a moment, I'll tell you what I think could happen with Boston College's quarterback situation, and we'll talk a little bit about that in just a moment. All right, college fantasy football fanatics, have you heard about Prize Picks? Prize Picks is a daily fantasy made easy. I love this. I know you will too. They are the leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world and offer all the star players of the Power Five as well as mid-major players you may not have even heard of. And they offer you anything you can think of from yards to touchdown, even an interceptions thrown. You just pick two to five players, the over-under on their projections, and you can win up to ten times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize Picks allows mixed sports entry, so you could pick someone uh, like Patrick Mahomes and LeBron James, and boom, you have a selection right there. It's easy to use. You just go to the App Store or Google Play, make your selection in 60 seconds or less, and boom, you're ready to roll. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use Locked On, and they're going to match any deposit made up to $100. Or you just go to the App Store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Are you in the process of doing work on your car? Why spend 30, 50, 70, or even 100% more when you could go to rockauto.com right now and save? rockauto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers for over 20 years, and they have everything. All you need to know is your make and model. You go to their easy-to-use directory, and boom, they'll show you what they have, whether it's brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Why go to the store when you could hear pointless and even sometimes intimidating questions when you can head behind your computer, make it easy for you at rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rock Auto. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here. We're talking quarterback situation as Boston College is heading into their Syracuse week. And there's a lot of questions about where Jeff Halfley is going to go with the quarterback situation. Now, on the first segment, we talked about 
Dennis Corsell struggles, some of the schematic pieces that are making it harder for him to be successful. And I have said it's time for a change. Now, what will Jeff Halfley do now that he has, you know, it's kind of in his court to make a decision. Boston College has lost three games in a row. They're averaging only 11 points a game. And so you have to wait because on Monday, the depth chart came out and it still says Grossell on there, but I wouldn't read anything into that. You know, the, the initial gut reaction when you see that is, oh no, Grossell is still starting. Remember in 2020, when Jerkovic was named starting quarterback, we didn't find out that Jerkovic was starting over Grossell until about 15 minutes before the Duke game started. So give it some time. I think what Halfley is going to do, here's what he's going to do this week. You know, He's got a decision to make, and he said it so much during his press conference. He needs to figure out what he can do to make sure that his team scores points. It could be going with Dennis Corsell. It could be going with one of the other options. So there are three options for Boston College if they decide to move on from Dennis Corsell. First of all is Dalen Minard. He's from Chaminade High School in Florida. He played one snap, I believe, against NC State, and that was the time where they were already out of the game. He handed the ball off to Peter Stare in the end zone and got sacked, uh, hit for a safety. He didn't get hit. Stare got hit, hit for a safety. That was it. That's all we've seen of Dalen Menard. I, You know, my, my gut with Menard is he's kind of like Grossell. Like, you know what you're going to get. It's like, he, he, he's got he's from a very good high school. Uh, there's a lot of talk about him being a winner, and he could be the fit. But, I, you know, I'm not sure his his upside is anything drastically different than what you have with Grossell. So that's one person. The next one is Matt Ruive. It's R-U-E-V-E, but it's pronounced Reeve. And he is from St. Xavier High School in Ohio. He's a redshirt freshman, so he's from the same high school as Luke Keekley, Stephen Daniels, Sean Duggan, there's a, you know, the Ben Glines. There's a whole list of, of former St. Xavier High School players to come here. Now, to give you kind of a context of where he came from, he, was, uh, he signed to Boston College shortly after Jeff Halfley took over. He didn't have many offers. I think he had like two or three group of five, uh, you know, smaller school offers, and that was it. So that kind of tells you, like, he's not like a blue chipper. He's a developmental guy. He's a guy that's going to take a little time to see what you have. And he may be it. He's 6'4", and he, uh, you know, halfway said he's able to move. He's a he's a mobile quarterback. Um, but, you know, he's not like a – I don't think of him as a polished quarterback. So he may not be the best option either. Now, if you are looking for a quarterback, one who could uh, take the top off the defense, one – that has a upside that I've heard. I've heard the word stud used for him. I've heard uh, comparisons to Phil Dracovic. Um, really exciting uh, quarterback is Emmett Moorhead. Emmett Moorhead is a California kid who played high school in Virginia. Now, he missed all of the 2020 season due to COVID, and not him having it, but the I believe the high schools down there canceled high school football because of COVID, and then signed with Boston College in January and enrolled early. Now he is six six, and I it, the word I use with his arm, and I I think it was John Garcia who used it, was that he is a bazooka for an arm. This guy has a humongous arm. Now I'm not sure about accuracy. I've heard lots and lots of good things from sources I know within the program about how he can play. So he's another option. Um, you know, he's a freshman. Again, he's not a blue chipper, but. You know, if he's what you think your offense can do and like maybe he's going to be your backup next year under Djokovic, maybe he's your future starter. Is it the worst thing to use him right now? I don't think so, because what Moorhead does, as I just said, he has a big arm, is immediately 
he's going to open up the offense a little bit more because if he can at least get closer to Zay down the field, then immediately all that underneath stuff will open up again. You'll get your offense flowing again. And, you know, he may make mistakes if he's the one chosen, but, you know, you're still going to get offense with him. I think you would get offense with him. So my choice, my choice of who I want, and you you remember I said earlier that last week um, I said Menard. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to walk that back. I talked to some people. I, I've watched some film. I, I, I've been able to kind of wrap my head around this because remember, I do admit I, I was wrong. I said I wanted to give Grossell a little bit more time to see how he did against a poor defense. We saw what happened. I think it's time to move on. My choice is Emmett Moorhead right now. I think he's good, a good fit. I think he could win some games for Boston College. Will Jeff Halfley go for him? But I think what you're going to see this week you're not going to hear anything, first of all. I'm going to put that all out there right now, is that if you're expecting to hear you know, at the press conference, he's, he's going to be evasive, and that's okay. That's his job. He's got to, you know, he's not going to have an answer. But I honestly don't believe he will have an answer on, on the Tuesday press conference or the Wednesday press conference because what I think Halfley is going to do is he's, he's watched the film. I'm sure he's able to see the things that Grossell could control you know, if whether it's a missed pass or a bad read or just bad, uh, you know, just struggles with his decision making, he's gonna he's gonna put those in one bucket. He's gonna put like things with the offense, you know, whether it was like the blown block by Tyler Vrabel or you know a wide receiver drop in another bucket, and then he's gonna look at all the things that Grossell probably had struggled with, see if he can fix that on the field, and then let whoever he chooses to be his backup give him the opportunity to do the same thing. And then he's going to assess who gives them the best opportunity to win on Saturday. Whether that is Grossell or Reeve or Grossell or Menard or Grossell or Moorhead, he's going to do his due diligence and we'll get that answer on Saturday. I, I mean, if, if he changes, I think you'll find out later. I think we're going to have to hold on. And I know it's going to be a lot of gnashing teeth and whatnot, but you know, you'll get a fuller picture of what the quarterback situation will be later in the week. And as I said, I think it might be Moorhead. I think that's my choice right now and who I think Boston College will go with and we'll find more out about whether he's the answer in a little while. Now, in a moment, I'm going to have Mitch Wolf back on and we're going to change it up. We're going to talk about some of the scores from around the league on Saturday. We'll look at our friend Steve Adazio over at Colorado State, Clemson struggles, and even more in just a moment. But please... Let's talk a little bit about sweat block wipes. For a few weeks now, we've been talking about sweat block, those wipes that stop sweat for seven days. And it seems people have been listening. We have friends of Locked On who have tried sweat block and love it. We had a high school teacher who checked it out. We have a story here about one. She, he pitted out by fourth period. He'd hear the snickers and whispers from his students. So he started bringing a second shirt to change into between classes. Then he heard about sweat block on our program. He tried it and is hooked. No more snickers, no more second shirt. Now, why is sweat block so great? It stops excessive sweat for up to seven days. It's doctor created, doctor recommended. There's a dry shirt guarantee. So even if you're doubting this, they have it. If you want to try it out, they guarantee they're going to keep you dry or you're going to get your money back. It's not just for your armpits, though. It's for your chest, back, feet, hands. Use it anywhere. And I mean anywhere that sweats. If you or someone you care about is dealing with excessive sweat, you have to check out sweat block. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on or at Amazon and CBS.
This is Locked On Boston College, AJ Black. We're going to wrap up our episode with Mitch Wolf today to talk about some of the other games from around the country. There were some interesting ones. And of course, we talk about some of our favorite teams uh, all in a sarcastic manner. Uh, today, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the game of the weekend started before Saturday even happened as I opened up my email, I mean, my Twitter on Saturday morning. I'm not even kidding you. I had 12 notifications, all direct messages with the exact same link on it. And it was all showing um, the end of the Colorado state, Utah state game. And Mitch, I will let you describe that. (laughs) Right. So I was one of those notifications for what it's worth. And basically what happened was is Colorado state is down uh, 24 to 26 with just a few seconds left in the game. They complete a pass to get a first down. I think 11 seconds are left. So it's first and 10 and they're in field goal range. And obviously the clock stops in first and 10. Colorado State has the ball within field goal range. They could they could snap the ball, spike it, give their kicker about 10 seconds to kick the field goal. Of course, Colorado State has no timeouts because what is Steve Adazio if not a terrible timeout manager? However, instead of spiking the ball, they run on their, quote, fast field goal team uh, to kick a field goal immediately. The offense remains on the field. They seem very confused. They run The offense starts running off the field as the clock starts to wind. Uh, Colorado State rushes their field goal and eventually they miss. And I think so they lose the game with one second left on a missed field goal because Steve Adazio forgot that he could spike the ball. And, um, you know, you look at that, and you go, wow, who was the unbelievable poor special teams coordinator for Colorado State? Mitch, who's the special teams coordinator for the for the Rams? I honestly don't know. I mean, is it uh, is it Ricky Brown still? No, it's Steve Adazio. <laughs> oh, 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 that's that's great. You know, I mean, that's that's the thing, though, because, you know, a guy like Steve Adazio, who's like a consummate professional, you know, he, he you know, he's going to take accountability the right way, you know, because that's that's not really the player's fault uh, more in the coaches, you know, and that's a mistake that he made. And I, I, I assume that he, you know, took full responsibility for that mishap. Oh, no, he's screaming at all his players on the side. Oh, yeah, that's right, of course. And then had a long diatribe at his press conference that was, I mean, if you're a Boston College fan, you know exactly what it sounds like, where he kind of skirts taking responsibility and then just blames everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, yeah, Steve Adazio fired his special teams coordinator at the end of last year and named himself. Uh, he's head coach slash special teams coordinator. Oh, boy, that's 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 just delightful. I mean, so I'm looking at the stats now. It looks like David Bailey had a great game, so that's that's good for him, but man, I, I just do not foresee Steve Adazio being long for that job because I mean, they, I, I'm surprised he made it out of last year after all the issues he had with his team regarding masks and uh, social justice protests. I, I was shocked he made it out of that. And, you know, they've lost a bunch of close games now this season, mostly because of his uh, inadequacies. So I, I don't think he's long for that job. So uh, moving on to other teams that are really struggling. Um, UMass. <laughs> Let's talk about UMass for a moment. I'm not going to put the sound clip on this one because uh, I don't think UConn played or if they, they, they did, did, they lost on Friday night as well uh, to middle Tennessee, 44 to 13. Oh man, <laughs> I didn't know that one. All right. Well, UMass, they were a 35 and a half point underdog, I believe to Florida state, which I had said with Eric Hofstis on Friday's episode was a slam dunk for uh, taking UMass. And boy, did I, again, like AJ, if I put a, a jar with a quarter. Every time I was completely bleeping wrong on something, I'd be a rich man right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you just got to fade yourself every time. Just, I should just, I re- <laughs> just say something and then just bet the other way. <laughs> this is why I'm not a gambler, um, but they lose 59 to three and get roped off of, uh, off of the, off of the field. Talk about this game a little Mitch. 
I'm so I'm looking at this at the drive chart, and so UMass scored on their on their opening drive and got the field goal. So Florida State just rattled off 59 unanswered on the Minutemen, and also their drive. This can't be right because it says the the drive was four plays and negative two yards. <laughs> so I, I don't know how this. I guess it, it doesn't look like they had a very long return or anything. So that must be an error. But yeah, I mean. Well, man, this is just bad. <laughs> this drive chart is terrible. I mean, they, so Florida State to go like going into the half, uh, Florida State scored a touchdown. The next drive, UMass throws a pick six, and it's uh, thirty-eight three at the half. So, oh, so know. oh, this beat. So here you go. It was negative two yards because here's what happened. Ready? Okay. Um, UMass kicks off to FSU, who fumbles the opening kickoff. Okay. Well, then hey, they, they rush they, for they, three yards. A penalty on UMass that sends them five yards backwards. Incomplete. Mm-hmm. Incomplete. 45 yard field got it okay that you know <laughs> they started off hot i'll give them that but it, the minute men were in it for a minute quite literally and then it all went downhill from there <laughs> and then uh a game that i guess makes you feel good that they're having a, a tough year but on the other hand you, you see the injury to jacovic and go god damn it they would have beaten them if jacovic was around Clemson is a complete disaster. They bench DJ Uyagale finally and bring in a guy, um, Tyson something, Farrell. Pomachan. Pomachan. Oh, man. Okay. And still get pummeled by Kenny Pickett and Pitt 27 17. Yeah. I mean, Kenny, Kenny Two Gloves is a lighten it up for the Panthers. So he's really fun to watch this year. And yeah, I, this game was on the same time as BC. So didn't get a chance to watch it as closely as I wanted to. But I think I clicked over one point and that's when they had the interception on the shovel pass which i think got dj uangalele benched um but yeah i mean it's rough for clemson i'm i i would i kind of i really just want Dabo to like go to lsu because i'm just tired of dealing with him and that's all i'll say about that because last time i said too much about clemson i got yelled at so (laughs) and um one of the things that came out of the louisville game i saw was every louisville writer um, I, I, and again, I'm not saying that the Cardinals did not have a complete game. They absolutely did, but touting the return of their defense. And I'm, I talked to my friend, Matt, who was on the show last week. And I'm like, guys, you had a great game, but just chill for a second because BC's offense is a complete dumpster fire right now. Mm-hmm. And we got to see exactly what I meant when I said the same thing to NC state last week. And they were like, yeah, shut up, AJ, we beat you. I'm like, okay, fine. And now they got, cr- they got, they got beat by a terrible Miami team. Mm-hmm. They left 31 yeah. points. Yeah. Yeah. Tough, uh, tough game on the road there for them. Uh, I was watching a bit of that late at night and that was a good game, but uh, NC State just ultimately couldn't, couldn't pull it out. And yeah. I, I think Louisville, you know, you gotta, you gotta take your wins when you get them, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be touting this defensive performance too highly. You know, Dennis Purcell can't really complete passes beyond um, 10 or maybe 15 yards, but uh, another ACC game that might have some interesting implications in the coming hours is uh, Syracuse with a comeback victory against Virginia tech. Yeah, I mean, that was incredible. And, you know, I've been tough on certain teams. Like Miami, I've been tough on. I I think Justin Fuente, and I'm not a big fan of him. But I have been been utterly impressed with, and I want to give a lot of credit to Dino Babers and that team because, you know, you talk about what Halfley was able to do for that piece when BC lost uh, Dracovic and reforming that offense into a power rushing team. I think that Dino Babers has done the exact same thing moving on from that, like really quick tempo to like this punishing power runner um, mm-hmm. in um, Sean Tucker and really creating a good defense for, for what seems like the first time I can remember with Syracuse. Uh, they're a very good team. And I, and, and I'm giving them all the credit because I think it's going to be a hell of a 
fight for BC to even get into this game on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. And um, the thing, I mean, oh shoot. Uh, so yeah, Syracuse had a ton of really close games. Like they're four and four, right. Or four and four now. Yeah. So this, they could be performing even a lot better if they had just kind of had some things break their way. Like they lost to Rutgers in a kind of a weird sloppy game. They lost by a field goal to Florida state lost by a field goal in overtime to wake. They lost by a field goal to Clemson. And in that game, you know, Dino Babers still made some pretty questionable, if not dumb coaching decisions. So, you know, he's not immune to himself, but I mean, yeah, I think Syracuse is out. I mean, I think they already hit their over for their team wins uh, with four this season. And they, they've, I mean, they've got a little tough road to hope to end the season. They got BC obviously next week. Then they got two road games uh, at Louisville and at NC state. And then they finish the season home against Pitt. So, you know, there's probably at least one or two wins left, but it's definitely not gonna be easy for the orange. And then let's jump out of the ACC one more time uh, to the other game I watched before the BC game. And I forced my dad to change it because I was like, I got to watch the BC game. And that was Penn state and uh, Illinois. And I feel like I got dumber watching that game um, because it, first of all, the overtime new overtime rules is off are awful. It they're just, I hate this two point conversion thing that they're doing. And second of all, watching two teams that are completely out of sync on offense, try to do that over and over and over again was one of the most painful things I've ever watched. Mitch, what was your take on that game? So the first thing I'll say is that I, I'm a noted Penn state hater. Uh, so this, this was a lovely game for me. And you know, th- this game was really the epitome of big 10 football. Cause I mean, there were plays where Illinois was having, I think they had like five tight ends on the field or they had seven offensive linemen on the field and they would just run the ball right up the middle. Um, but man, it was th- this was the game where this kind of encapsulates the the beauty and the folly, the agony and the ecstasy of college football. And that they're just games that are just stupid, but they're just so fun to watch because of how idiotic they are. Like, I think both teams tried the kind of Philly special reverse pass to the quarterback and they didn't complete either one, which was hilarious. Um, and yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I I'm OK with the two point conversion thing, but. I think you got to give them more than two overtimes, like of you know, actually making a drive at it. You know, I think it used to be four or something like that, but yeah, I mean, this was just so dumb, but I, I, I had a ton of fun watching it. Yeah. It was, it was one of those like atrocious games that was kind of entertaining to watch as you were saying, like watching them try to get the two point conversion and you know, they're trying all these trickeration plays and none of them are fought. None of them are working. It was beautiful and watching and we didn't even talk about the, the penalty flags um, against Illinois at one point too, that were just absolutely atrocious. Like they were getting, they were getting touchdown after touchdown called back on holding mm-hmm. calls and just watching Brett Bielma's head, like literally want to explode uh, was, it was amazing. It was an amazing game to watch. Um, and this was supposed to be one of the worst weekends of football for uh, college football fans. You looked at the slate, it was just bad games all over the place this weekend. I think there's going to be a lot more. I mean, that's, that's how it goes all the time. Like anytime you look at a slate, you're like, man, there aren't really any good games this week. That's when chaos strikes. And so, you know, some of the better teams like Ohio state, you know, really took care of business, but you know, Oklahoma went down to the wire with Kansas, Cincinnati struggled with Navy, Bama kind of had their hands full with Tennessee, but you know, the definitely some fun chaos in this week, college football, which, and this week we've got some big games coming up too. So another great season in the NCAA. All right, Mitch, where can people find you? 
You can find me at Mitchell T. Wolf, W-O-L-F-E on Twitter. Uh, make sure you're following me there as I will be at the Syracuse game on Saturday, uh, live tweeting what's going on in the game. And I think after the game, we're going to try a Twitter spaces thing, if you're familiar with that, where uh, I'll kind of just be talking probably from the uh, BC Bulletin account, just kind of going over what happened in the game. You know, we'll probably have AG on. We can kind of have a like kind of like a little bit of a live podcast with our immediate reaction to the game. So that'll be a fun little thing we're going to try out. All right. Yeah. I can't wait to do that. Mitch, uh, thank you so much for being on and uh, you can follow Boston college uh, here at locked on BC on locked on BC on Twitter, subscribe and like us wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on YouTube. I'm AJ black. I'm the editor and publisher of bcbulletin.com. Check out all my work there. Make sure you subscribe and like us uh, for on there as well. Thank you all. And we'll see you all again soon. Take care.